Every single time Hunter wakes up from a nap these days, he's asking for a snack and it's usually a fruit snack. And I used to say heck no to all kinds of fruit snacks and goodies like that because I hated all of the artificial dyes, harmful ingredients, and the ridiculous amount of sugar that they have. And while I still am a big proponent in not having all of those things all the time, I find so much hope in knowing that Thrive Market has me covered and has Hunter covered for not just all of those sweet fun treats, but also other essentials while keeping him safe and healthy. And it's honestly become a fun little tradition for Michael and I to sit down and pick out our Thrive Market order. They're so amazing and such our go-to for delicious snacks and pantry essentials and so much more. Their app is so easy to use and everything is delivered to our doorstep in a matter of days, which drastically reduces my stress level because making time to go to the grocery store is my least favorite thing to do. Plus, I'm obsessed with their standards. They restrict literally 1,000 plus harmful ingredients and they only allow the most trusted ingredients for you. I mean, even last order, I saved $20 and got an incredible deal on the poppy probiotic sodas that I love. Plus, it's not just good for your family. When you join Thrive Market, they also gift a membership to a family in need, which is the greatest. So let's save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash truthtalks for 30% off your first order. Plus, you get a $60 gift for free. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash truth talks. Thrivemarket.com slash truth talks. You're listening to Truth Talks with Tara. The purpose of this podcast is to help you know, love, and live God's word. My name is Tara and I'm your host slash new best friend. Each week, we'll dive into the depths of scripture together. We'll answer questions that we all have as believers, have hard but good conversations, unpack passages in the Bible, and have deep, encouraging conversations with some amazing guests. My prayer is that God would use this podcast to grow your love and knowledge of His Word so that you can live for Him more. Are you ready, friend? Let's get into it. And welcome back to Truth Talks with Tara. It is such a stormy and really cozy day as I record this. I'm looking out my office window. It is pouring rain. It is really windy. It doesn't seem too great to be outside, but inside it's pretty cozy. So I'm really excited to sit down. I have a blanket and we're going to be talking about something that I've been really excited to in a while. And also one of the biggest questions that I get a lot from people in DMs on Instagram and emails and just this question of, what is the best Bible translation to read? What should I read? There are so many, like countless Bible translations, and it can be overwhelming to think, what is the best one for me to read? Do I know if the one that I'm reading is true and trustworthy and that it's really honoring God's word? Because I know that's a desire that we all have. We're going to be breaking down the difference in Bible translations today. So hopefully if you don't know about Bible translations or if you do, but you want a little more insight, I just pray that this episode would encourage you and give you a little bit more understanding. And we're also going to be talking about one Bible translation that I would say stay far away from. And it's not just me, but it's a broad community after studying this translation. And so let's just start by getting into a little brief history about Bible translations. So let's go all the way back to 200 BC. So let's set the scene. And this time there were a lot of Jews that lived in Egypt where they no longer fluently spoke Hebrew or Aramaic, but instead this language called Greek. And if you didn't know, the Old Testament is written primarily 
primarily in Hebrew and then the New Testament is written in Greek. So the Jews were living in this place that they were starting to slowly not understand things because it was different language. And you know, it worked for a while to try to understand and read in different languages. But after a few centuries, there were people from all parts of the world that wanted their own translation so they could read it. The Bible has been translated since before Jesus's time, which is so cool because it was written again in those two main languages. But then people wanted to hear it. People wanted to understand it. Even think about the story about the Ethiopian eunuch who was sitting in his little chariot and he was trying to understand the word of God. He needed one of God's messengers to interpret the Bible for him. So just think about that. There were people that were hungry for the word of God and they needed to understand it in their languages because there were so many different languages. And so over time, people from all parts of the world wanted their own translation so that they could read it for themselves. For example, like Latin, Gothic, Ethiopic, just a lot of other languages. So after about a thousand years past or so, there were some waves of Bible translation needs. And that second wave happened about, again, a thousand years after. And this is around the time of the Reformation with Martin Luther. As I record this, we just celebrated Reformation, which was also on Halloween. So if you haven't researched um, Reformation before, I'd highly recommend looking into it. Um, Ligonier Ministries on YouTube or Bible Project or some amazing ministries like that have some really cool videos that explain the importance of Reformation on YouTube. Spoiler alert for Christians, it's one of the most influential days and movements for evangelical Christians. It's one of the most influential days and movements because it really emphasizes the need for God's word and understanding it truly and what it looks like to really understand salvation. So that could be a whole episode in and of itself, but let's get back to the Bible translations. So this was about the time around the Reformation when William Tyndale translated the Bible into early modern English from Greek to Hebrew. So he translated it from Greek and Hebrew, the main languages to modern day English. And at that time it was modern. Martin Luther, the man who really formed and started the Reformation, also did this for German speakers and Spanish speakers so other people too, not just English-speaking people. And the printing press that printed books and papers and things like that had been created around the 1400s. So people could more easily access, read, and understand the Bible, which was so cool. And it was really a great time to start translating the Bible into more languages because people could actually get their hands on it. I don't really know as far as like how many they could print and how much it cost, but it was exciting because the printing press and a new, you know, new translations of the Bible, people were able to get their hands on the word of God for themselves in their day-to-day lives, which was so cool. And then this third wave of Bible translation and this need and this hunger for Bible translation began about 200 years ago during the 19th century. So in that century alone, the Bible had been translated into almost 500 languages. And in the 20th century, there were nearly 1,000 Bible translations. And even today, we are almost at 1,200 translations and 704 different languages of the Bible, which blows my mind that there's even like a hundred different languages in the world, but there's 704 to the state that have been translated and probably countless other languages that have not been translated into. 
So besides these standalone men, we talked about Martin Luther, we talked about Tyndale, you know, they're standalone trustworthy men that knew God's word. God's word was mainly translated by a group of men and women who knew God's word, who knew the original language, meaning who knew Greek and Hebrew, because that's an important thing we're going to talk about today with Bible translation is that we need to know the original language so that we can interpret it correctly, right? How are we supposed to interpret anything and stay true to God's word if we don't know what it was really written in? And that's what makes it really awesome and comforting too is that it was a team of people who really held each other accountable and said okay let's work this together let's use our resources and our brains together and really try to translate this to the best of our ability so that's kind of like the couple minute rundown and review of bible translations it was our brief history so let's get to the meat of the episode what Bible translations should we read, should we trust? So some of us grew up, honestly, raise your hand if you have grown up this way or you have grown up this way. Some of us, you know, were taught by our parents, which is not a bad thing, or taught by people in school that there was really only one translation that was quote unquote the way or the correct version. You know, for me growing up, I never really was taught that. I was given an NIV Bible for my first Bible. And so I just, you know, read that and I just figured that was all I needed. Um, Some people believe that the KGV, the King James Version is the best and it's the only one because it seems, you know, the most old and the most true. We'll get into that. But sometimes we grow up thinking that there's only one correct version. So we're going to look at the different versions today and see, okay, which ones are trustworthy? Can I read more than one? Should I read more than one? All of those things. So when we talk about Bible translations, when people translated the Bible from, you know, Greek or Hebrew or whatever into English, the Bible translators mostly had these two goals or two purposes in mind. And number one is faithfulness to the word of God, meaning they want to be faithful, they want to be true and get the accuracy of God's word and make sure they hold to that. And then number two, they want to make sure that it's readable. It's readable in the modern English. And so These two goals have really shaped most every Bible translation or maybe they fall somewhere in the middle or maybe they completely miss the mark. (laughs) We're going to briefly talk about one translation to 100% stay away from, but most if not all of these Bible translations, they are shaped by these two goals of faithfulness and readability and some of them fall kind of in the middle. So let's talk about, there's a couple different kinds of translations and you'll hear some of your favorite translations in these categories. So let's look at them and let's just do a little deep dive. So the first kind of translation group is called formal translations and these are your translations like NASB, KGV, NKJV, and ESV. So these translations, called the formal translations, prioritize mimicking the forms of original Hebrew and Greek. Mainly, essentially what I'm saying by that is they generally attempt to choose one English word for one original word. When they went from Hebrew or Greek, they like studied it and made sure to find a word that lined up in the English language. So it made sense and and that way, like it lined up as most faithful and as most accurate as possible. So that this means formal translations just basically mean that it is highly accurate and close to the original as possible, as, as close as we can get, which is great. But the thing about formal translations that some people don't like is that the reading can be a bit bumpy or stale, some people call it. Personally, ESV is my favorite translation and I use it daily to study along with a few others. But some people just don't love the way it reads because again, they took it very word for word, which is great. I love that it's so accurate and so faithful to God's word, but some people need, you know, maybe a little more smoother reading. And we're going to get into translations that are more like that. 
As far as KJV, which is King James Version, this is a formal translation too, and you'll most likely know it by its popular phrases like behold, lo, hast, art, etc. Like there's a lot of words that the King James Version uses. Maybe you read it, which is awesome. It's a really great translation. But here's the thing that we need to remember about the King James Version is that for every translation, there's a gap of thousands of years from when the original author like Paul or Peter or any of those guys wrote it and then when it was translated. So there's a lot of time that spans. And our modern day culture is really, really different now. Obviously, 2021, as we record this, it's very, very different. And language has changed too over the course of the scene. Language and rhetoric and phrases and things like that. And I'm not saying that God's word has changed. Don't hear me wrong on that. God's word has never changed, but our rhetoric and our sayings and all those things have. So Some people have a really hard time with the King James Version because we never really use those words like low and hast, etc. It's very, um, um, I want to say not ancient in a bad way, but it is a little bit older rhetoric and an older writing style. And so that is what formal translations are kind of in a nutshell, NASB, KJV, NKJV, and ESV. So they're highly accurate. They You know, the translators tried to grab a word from the original text and get a word comparable in the English text. So it's, you know, you can trust that it's very accurate. But again, some people don't like the way it reads. So those are formal translations. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. 2024 has simultaneously felt like the longest and shortest year. Our little family has gone through so many highs and lows and joys and valleys. I mean, Hunter's growing up so crazy and our calendars are so crazy. And this is usually the time of year where so many of us give up on our New Year's resolutions. And while some of mine have not panned out, to be honest, there are some that have. I am personally really proud of my consistent workout routine this year. It has been something that has been so off and on since having Hunter. It's also given me so much mental clarity to be physically active. I'm also really proud that I have instilled regular rhythms of rest in my life and not just rest when I'm burnt out, which was usually the norm. When life moves so quickly, let's just slow down and celebrate our little wins and move forward in faith and make adjustments for the rest of the year. This is your little mid-year check-in. Therapy can help you take stock of your progress and set achievable goals for the rest of the year. So if you're thinking about giving therapy a try, try BetterHelp to keep you on track. It's entirely online, so it flows with your lifestyle, and you can select a therapist that fits your needs and beliefs, but also feel the freedom to switch at any time to find the best match. Therapy gives you the space to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and process it, which can be really hard on your own. So visit betterhelp.com slash truth talks today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash truth talks. The next one is functional translations. And these are the ones like the NET, the NLT, and the NIV. So NLT is a popular one, New Living, um, NIV, New International Version. And these are meaning for meaning translations. And these ones prioritize readability. Remember that second goal was for God's word to not only be faithful, but then secondly, to be readable in the modern English. So these functional translations, they do want to make sure they're drawing true meaning from the original word like they want to be faithful and they want it to be true and accurate but they also prioritize it being highly readable and in an attempt to be more understandable if that makes sense so things just might flow it might not be as chunky as some people say the kjv is or things like that so functional translations really want the reading to impact modern day readers that you know you and i today in our day and age in the same way that it affected original readers and so i think 
That's something that we need to remember about functional translations. The NLT and NIV are awesome ones that I also add in. I'll kind of share a little more of what I do, but um, those are some other ones that I love to read just because how beautifully, beautifully they read. And God's word is beautiful, again, on its own. It's just we're kind of differentiating between these translations here, you know? So the next category is moderate translations. And there's not a lot to say about this one, but moderate translations are things like the CSB, the NIV is also considered a moderate translation as well, and the NRSV. So these are moderate, and they're called moderate because they're right in the middle. Moderate, middle, kind of middle ground kind of translations. And they blend formal and functional translations, meaning the two that we just talked about. Formal meaning mimicking the original forms of Hebrew and Greek, word for word, and then also functional, which is, you know, readability. And so they have a really awesome blend. CSB is incredible. I just really realized and started reading CSB like maybe a year ago, but I love CSB. And so these are kind of right in the middle. I think it's a really great sweet spot. And then the final translation category is paraphrase translations. And that would be considered something like the Message Bible. So paraphrase translations, paraphrases or rewording, it's just like another way to say paraphrasing, is basically intended to make the language of the Bible easier, even easier to understand than functional or moderate translations or really like any other translation we've talked about. The goal of paraphrase translations like the message is to make it even more understandable. And, you know, at first glance, if I'm being super honest growing up, I didn't love the message version. I still don't really read it, but I've kind of changed my tune and I want you to hear me out here. So the paraphrase translations like the message, they have an emphasis on replacing the older metaphors with concepts that are familiar to today. So again, like I said, it's not something I read every day. I barely read the message, if anything, personally, but I want to just make this clear that the Message Bible isn't heretical. It's not false. It's meant to be more of a devotional tool. If that's something that would help you remember, for me, that's helped me remember, okay, it's more of a devotional tool. It's you know, they paraphrase God's word. It's not like they're changing God's word, but they've really just changed the wording so much. There might not be a lot of following of the original language, which I don't personally love, but I do understand that they're following the general themes and the passages of the word so that we can understand it even more. Some people like to read, you know, um, a passage in the ESV translation and then read it in the message just to kind of conceptualize it more in in rhetoric and in like language that makes a lot more sense to us like here in the in the 21st century. And so again, you know, the message isn't going to be word for word. These paraphrase translations aren't going to be word for word, but we shouldn't rely wholly on this translation because it's not literal, meaning, again, it's not word for word, meaning for meaning, but something like the message translation, it can really, it can bring understanding to some areas of scripture. Don't get me wrong. Like again, if you just need to understand it, maybe it's a really hard passage, maybe even just referencing, you know, a scripture from the message Bible would help. I just encourage you to not make this your main translation, meaning not the main one that you read and you study because it's not going to give you that depth necessarily if that makes sense. And I don't believe that this was Eugene Peterson, the author of the messages, you know, intent when he wrote the message. He wrote it it to be a paraphrase. He wrote it to be more of a devotional tool. And, you know, he didn't really mean it to be 
word for word, which in this sense, it's kind of hard to explain, but like I understand that this is more of a tool and he doesn't need it to be, you know, a functional or formal translation. I just encourage you something like this that's more paraphrased, that's not as clean and word for word. It's just not something that we should read every day for our study, but it's not a bad thing to add in is all I'm saying. (laughs) So now we have this question, what translation do I pick? How do I pick the best translation to read? First of all, I want you to take the pressure off. There is this awesome quote about picking a Bible translation that I want to read for you by a man. His last name is Brune. Brune says, obviously, each one is valuable in its own way. He's talking about translations. And each makes a distinct contribution towards helping us understand the world around us. A microscope does not eliminate the need for having a telescope, and a telescope does not eliminate the need for a wide-angled lens. These three instruments are not in competition with one another, vying for the position of greatest significance. Instead, they complement and balance one another. Each one increases the value of others. I love that. Here's another little tiny quote he had too. Brune says, if we understand the translation goals of the various English versions and how they complement each other, that can help us glean the full richness of the meaning God intended. I think that sums it up perfectly, is that we need to understand the the translation goals of, of what each translation and each translation category is meant to be, which is why we talked about them in this episode. We broke down functional, formal, all the things. And when we understand that and we understand how they can all work together as long as they are translations that are true to the word, that can really help us see um, so many different angles and so unlock, unlock so many truths. So I really appreciate that perspective. Honestly, friend, I think I would have told you years ago that like I said earlier in the episode, that the NIV or ESV was the only translation, like the best translation, you should only read that one. And some people in your life may say that the KJV is the only translation or the NLT or the CSB. Like some people have very strong opinions about that. But as we've learned today, translations need to be understood for their meaning. They need to be understand for understood, I mean, for what they were intended what they intended to do. And then we need to grasp the reality that they were meant to complement each other and that it's okay to read from various translations because it helps us glean the richness and fullness that God intended. Any of the formal or functional or really any of those moderate translations are going to be an amazing choice. So I can't sit here and tell you exactly which one to do, but I would encourage you in a few things. And for me, I would just encourage you to have a primary version of the Bible when you're reading, one that you mainly study. So just choose one that you love. For me, it's ESV. I cannot rave enough about the ESV and just how many pastors and how many amazing people just stand behind the ESV Bible so that you can have cohesion and consistency in your reading. So just choosing one helps you have that consistency and then you get to know the reading style and just the flow style of that translation but also feel free to have a few other translations that will maybe help you give a well-rounded understanding of the text so for me in my day-to-day I read ESV every single day but I also throw in CSB, NLT, and A and 
NASB, excuse me. So, so many little abbreviations here. It's just like twisting my tongue all up here as I say them. So I have all of these Bibles in physical form translations, but you can also, if you don't have the physical Bibles, you can use the Logos Bible app or the Bible app or things like that because they have a lot of different versions for you there. But I would just encourage you to have one that you love to read. I teach out of the ESV. I'm right out of the ESV, all the things. That's kind of my home place. But when I need to have more understanding, when I want to read it in a different way, I, you know, I reach for the CSB or the NLT or the NASB or NAV or something like that. And so the greatest encouragement I can give you at the end of the day too is when you're looking for a Bible translation to read, whether you're looking for a new one, whether you've never read the Bible before, or whether you have read one but you want to explore more, I just want to make sure that we as Christians are prioritizing the translation that really values accuracy. So most of the translations we talked about today seek for accuracy, for translation from the original language to modern day language. Like they don't want to miss the truth and the wisdom and the meaning that God intended thousands of years ago as they you know, translate it and prescribe it into modern day language. And that's so important, you know, and this is important. Why? Because it preserves God's word as it was intended, as it was originally written. We won't lose the things that God meant to say just because of a language barrier. And that's why it's so awesome to know that Bible translators of these different translations really know the original language, really know Greek, really know Hebrew, all the things. And so that they can be like, okay, this is what God's word said in that language. And here's how we can translate it as accurately as we possibly can with our modern day English. So if you're reading a translation that throws random words in and doesn't understand the original text, then you're not really being fed the true word of God. Any of those versions we chatted about earlier are great representations of ones that do follow God's word and are accurate especially ESV, NIV, NASB, NLT, some of those. If you're a new Christian, maybe try a more readable version of the Bible like NLT, NIRV, those ones. The sentences are shorter and basically they restate the subject of a sentence, which is really helpful because it helps you understand like what is God trying to say? Like what's his main message here? And then for someone who really wants to study and analyze God's word and dig a little deeper, I would use a more literal translation like ESV or NASB. For more expository teaching and understanding and studying, one that really digs into scripture and maybe challenges you more, try ESV. And also don't forget about like my favorite resource of all time, which I'll have linked in the episode notes. And that is the ESV study Bibles from Crossway. They are incredible. Study Bibles in general are incredible, but I'll link some of my favorites in the notes below so you can check them out. So in closing, probably the part you've been looking forward to the most. You're probably like, what is Tara going to say about a translation that she does not recommend and a lot of people in the Christian community do not recommend? So in closing, I wanted to share one translation to avoid or stop reading if you are. Now, hear me out, please, 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 please. I am not condemning or judging or putting you down if you've ever read this translation. I just want to bring the truth to light because I know that we all want to be walking in God's truth. We all want to be accurate studiers and readers of God's word. And so some of these things I didn't even realize, I wasn't even aware of this translation until a few years ago, but have done lots of research. And it's honestly fascinating, but like in a sad way because of this translation. So 
Please hear me out when I say this and just stick with me for the last few minutes. And that is to stay away from the passion translation, which is abbreviated into TPT. So here's a quote someone shared about the passion translation. It says, abandoning all interest in textual accuracy, talking about the passion translation, playing fast and loose with its original languages and inserting much new material into the text that is at least 50% longer than the original. The result is a strongly sectarian translation that no longer counts as scripture. By masquerading as a Bible, it threatens to bind entire churches. Mm. That is really sobering. Let me kind of break into it though. I don't, if you've ever read this version, if you have ever studied it and, you know, thought it sounded beautiful, I don't blame you. It does sound beautiful and I'm not condemning you. I'm not giving you a hard time. I just want to bring light to this. So let's talk about it. Here's some background on the Passion Translation if you're not aware of it. So like we learned earlier, Bible translations are typically written by groups of scholars, right? Who come together, they collaborate, they keep each other accountable, and they know the original languages like Hebrew and Greek. It's so important to know how was the Bible first written so that we can be accurate with it. But the Passion Translation was translated by one man named Brian Simmons who is not trained in biblical language. He didn't come with any previous knowledge of Hebrew or Greek, which is kind of concerning in itself. And then something else concerning about this translation is that Simmons claims that Jesus visited him personally and gave him downloads, quote unquote downloads and secrets of the Hebrew language. And we know from God's word, this is why it's alarming. We know from God's word that everything that has been written is unchanging and canon, meaning 100% true. God wrote everything he wanted to. We know that nothing should be or can be added to it. And that's what makes God's word holy is that no one can take anything away from it. No one should take anything away from it. And then no one should add anything to it because Jesus has given us everything we need. And, you know, Jesus said what he meant to say in the word of God and nothing should ever contradict his word. So personally, you know, other scholars have looked into this too. This is a huge red flag. I'm not saying that Brian Simmons, who wrote the Passion Translation, has never met with Jesus personally or doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. But to say that God gave him special wisdom to be added to the Bible is super, super heretical. I'm going to attach a YouTube clip in the episode notes that you can go watch. But for example, Brian Simmons was in a TV interview a while ago. I mean, I don't remember exactly the year. It looked like an old video though. But he was in a TV interview and he told the broadcaster that or claimed that Jesus promised to bring him back to heaven and give him a new chapter of John. So John has 21 chapters, the Gospel of John, but then Simmons claims that God has given him special revelation of John chapter 22, so an extra book. This is really crazy to me, and this is something that's wild, is that because God gave us everything we needed in the Bible, it's final, it's true, nothing can be added to it. And so a claim that God left something out of the Bible is really, really sketchy. Also, the Passion Translation also adds to the text and changes the meaning, which already another red flag just hearing that. I'm also going to link to a article that Alyssa Childers wrote, who's one of my favorite authors, who shared some side-by-side comparisons of some NIV, ESV, KJV verses, and then how the Passion Translated translation translated it sorry as a mouthful at first glance the passion translation may not seem very heretical just very passionate like you know honestly I don't blame it like I have read a lot of verses just in my own research from the passion translation and it sounds really beautiful I'm not even gonna lie it sounds gorgeous 
But, you know, again, like I said, at first glance, it doesn't seem heretical. But if a translation is not faithful, meaning if, like we learned, if it does not stay true to the word, if it adds things, if it changes the meanings, then it must be disregarded. And as far as the meaning, the Passion Translation frequently changes passages about God into speech to God. So it takes a lot of historical references out. It does a lot of those kinds of things. So all of this to say, the word of God does not need to be made prettier or more passionate, right? I mean, friend, the word of God is already so beautiful and such a passionate love letter on its own, right? I know that you know that. It's such a gift that we have that. And God intended the words of the Bible to be written in its original languages, and our translators should seek to convey his word as faithfully as possible. I can't even imagine what it's like to be a Bible translator. What a responsibility, right? We see faithful translations like the ESV, NIV, etc. But the passion translation fails in so many areas. And so again, I'm not bashing you if you've read it. I just want to kind of bring this up and have it be something that the Spirit kind of stirs in each one of our hearts and just bring this to light. And I deeply encourage you to do some research and praying with the Lord on your own as well on this topic. I mean, I'm so thankful that we could chat today about Bible translations, but I just pray that it kind of like starts that conversation in your heart and your life with the Lord because that's really what's going to make that difference. And I think just my benediction at the end or just a little encouragement at the end is that I would just pray that you and I, we would be people who desire and prioritize God's word as it was intended. That the more we know, the more we study it as God's word really was meant to be read and lived, the more we'll fall in love and the more we'll be able to live a life that's pleasing to him. I think that's what it comes down to is that we need to desire God's word as it's intended, as it was written, knowing that it's enough, that nothing needs to be added to it, nothing needs to be taken away from it. Because then when we do, we'll be able to follow it and we'll live that life that God wants us to live. So I really hope that you enjoyed this episode today. Thank you for tuning in and just kind of doing a deep dive on translations with me today. I hope that it gave you some insight if you are just like, you know, a scholar and you know all these things already, thank you for listening anyway. If you're somewhere in the middle, if you're new to the Bible, if you're just curious, I'm so thankful that we got to talk about this today. Make sure to take a screenshot wherever you're listening and whatever app you're listening, post it to your Instagram stories and tag me. I'd love to see what you learned from the episode. And I would just be so blessed if we could just hand in hand share this podcast to the world. Don't forget to subscribe on your way out. Leave a rating and review. It is such a blessing to be able to see testimonies which are what reviews are basically testimonies of what God is teaching you from the show. I don't take any credit. I'm just encouraged by what God is doing here. So thank you. Thank you. I cannot wait to talk to you next time. I hope you have an amazing day. I love you, friend. I'll talk to you later.